I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Back after a long weekend of the Browns holding their charity golf outing today at Westwood Country Club in Rocky River. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. We're going to get into what we heard today. It was a pretty productive day uh, at the Browns charity golf outing, actually, and it's in large part because we heard from Deshaun Watson. And we heard from Deshaun Watson for the first time uh, since DeAndre Hopkins was released on Friday. And of course, this is relevant because Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins were teammates for a long time in Houston. They had a great connection. Um, you know, I, I think most fans, when they think of that connection, maybe they, they think of that catch that DeAndre had over Joe Hayden uh, when the, the Texans and Steelers played on, I think it was a Christmas Day game. Um, but we just saw that connection for so many years, Mary Kay and Deshaun Watson didn't shy away today from uh, from putting it out there that he wouldn't mind playing with DeAndre Hopkins again. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I came in after talking to Deshaun uh, and I came in right away and put up a post with a headline that said, of course, we would love to have him here. I mean, he said it in no uncertain terms that he would love to have D-Hop here. And then, you know, conversely, we asked him, uh, you know, would he like to be here? And is this, you know, the, the kind of place that once again, checks off all those boxes of the things that he's looking for that he has stated on the I Am Athlete podcast? And he said, absolutely. These, the Cleveland Browns check off the boxes. He would love to be here. So, uh, you know, now a few minutes later, after writing that story, news breaks that DeAndre Hopkins has hired Kelton Crenshaw a Cleveland-based agent for the Clutch Sports Group, founded, of course, by Rich Paul, great friend of LeBron James. This Clutch Sports Group has been taking on uh, increasing influence over the Cleveland Browns roster, okay? There's a lot of guys on the Browns roster that are represented by Clutch. And um, I think it's kind of significant because all they have to do is, I mean, heck, they could go meet, Kelton for coffee tomorrow if they wanted to. I mean, he's right here in town. And um, they've got, you know, Miles Garrett, Jed Wills, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Dewan Jones, Perion Winfrey. These are some of the players that are represented by Clutch Sports. So I thought that was pretty significant. But uh, as you mentioned at the outset, Deshaun Watson, he's all about having D-Hop here. So I don't want to take this in a completely different direction, but Ashley, as Mary Kay was talking there, 
um, about the clutch thing. Um, yeah, I mean, we've seen this in the NBA where clutch yeah. has never shied away from trying to team people up. Now, obviously, Deshaun and DeAndre are not both represented by clutch, um, which would feel a little more like the, you know, LeBron, Anthony Davis thing or any other number of, you know, kind of clutch pairings. But I mean, that's sort of in clutch's DNA to sort of try and build, build teams up and try and put guys in positions where they can be with other great players and succeed with other great players. And as they start to get that, that bigger foothold in the NFL world, maybe we see more of that and maybe, this could be an example of that. Yeah, and Mary Kay, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't like Clutch, you wrote it in your story today, that they have, Clutch is like the most well-represented agency in the Browns locker room. Of any agency, they have the most players um, in the Browns locker room. So I think they already have a really strong foothold here in Cleveland and the NFL team, but obviously in Cleveland in general. Um, So it is an interesting idea there, like potentially, you know, grouping more guys together, but then obviously pairing DeAndre Hopkins with a quarterback that he already is super familiar with. And, you know, we talked about him not mentioning Deshaun's name on that podcast, like in that we don't really think it meant anything at all in terms of what he wants. We know that those guys have a great relationship. Deshaun talked about it at length today. So that coupled with like Clutch's foothold already in Cleveland, coupled with that relationship, like I do just find it all very interesting that all of this happened today. Mary Kay, also, this is, um, you know, with him hiring an agent, this comes as sort of, if I'm not mistaken, this is kind of his first foray into free agency. He was drafted or, you know, he started his career in Houston, uh, drafted in the first round in 2013. Uh, He was traded to Arizona. So it's not like this guy has ever just hit the open market and, and been a, you know, just a true free agent necessarily. So, uh, it, it is interesting that he chose to hire Clutch. And of course, you mentioned all those connections to the Browns. We know his connection with Deshaun Watson, even though Watson wasn't mentioned in that podcast. And you asked Deshaun about that today. So so you can get into that a little bit if, if, if you want to a little more. Um, it, it just still feels like, well, well, it's easy to look at it and say, yeah, maybe this is a little pie in the sky. It just feels like it wouldn't shock me if this happened, <laughs> if like, a week from now or however long it's like, okay, Deandre Hopkins chose the Browns. It just, it wouldn't feel shocking if that happened. I know. You know what? I started to think about it the other day. The first day I started to dig around when he was released, I'm starting to dig around and try to figure out and ascertain interest and all that kind of stuff. And I, you know, when I first, I wrote the first story and it was unlikely, but never say never door is not shut anything can always happen in these types of situations. And sometimes they take on a life of their own. And the more I started to think about it, uh, the more I analyzed it, I realized it makes absolute perfect sense for them to sign D-Hop because, first of all, there's nobody else on the Cleveland Browns roster that has any kind of natural chemistry with Deshaun except for Jordan Aikens, the tight end. And that's good. And I think that's going to be very, very beneficial uh, for Deshaun to have that. But from a receiver, from a wideout standpoint, he doesn't have that with anybody. All of it is going to be learned chemistry as they go along. They're going to have to come up that learning curve together. And, you know, we can see that it's starting to happen. It's taking its natural course, I think, 
with Elijah Moore. Uh, you know, we saw that Amari Cooper and Deshaun started to develop some chemistry as the season went along last year. But this is someone that already has 25 touchdown connections between the two of them, seven in their first year together in 2017 when Deshaun was a rookie before he suffered his torn ACL. They played seven games together, 45 catches, seven touchdown passes. Hop went on that year to lead the NFL with 13 touchdown catches, and he made his pro, a pro bowl um, that year. He's got five of those. And um, then the next year, he caught 115 passes for, I have all these numbers in my stories, but 115 passes for like well over 1,000 yards. And he was right up there at the top of the NFL with these numbers. And he caught um, 11 touchdown passes that year. So they have, and then the next, the following year in 2019, their last year together before he got traded to Arizona was another like, I don't know, 104 catches and a thousand some yards and seven more touchdowns. So they have crazy production together, just crazy production together. And that's what Deshaun needs. So if Deshaun says, look, you, you guys have to get me D hop. I need another pro bowl receiver. We would be dynamite if we had Amari and DeAndre Hopkins, you know, I mean, I guess they just have to make sure that it's, they're not too much the same guy, you know? Um, but you know, I, I still think they can make it work. I still think they could make it work. If you put that many pro bowls out there, if you have nine pro bowls amongst your top two receivers out there and your quarterback has three more or three or four, whatever Deshaun has, that's a lot of pro bowls going back and forth across the field. I mean, that that's a lot. And if you really want to get to the Super Bowl this year, you got to go for the gusto. I mean, you just, you got to go for it. They went for it with Zadarius Smith, you know? I mean, like, why not go for it at the receiver position? Because Elijah Moore was a really nice pickup. But there's a difference between a young, promising receiver with upside and a five-time Pro Bowler who your quarterback loves. Okay, so I, I want to address some of the the cons that, that people are throwing out there and the arguments against DeAndre Hopkins. And I think the first the first one would be um, just the receiver room in general. And Ashley, I know you're writing about the receiver room um, off of today. So one of the arguments is, is there such a thing as too many receivers? And, you know, I would argue against, I would argue against that. Um, I just went on the Strictly Stripes pod and, and Muhammad over there asked me, like, what position on offense or what position on the roster do you feel not super great about? I'm paraphrasing there. But basically my point was, I like the receiving core on paper. I like some of the guys they have, but I do wonder, do you get to October or November and think to yourself, man, they're just one guy short, whether that's DeAndre Hopkins or somebody else, they still need another guy, especially if somebody gets hurt. So Ashley, when, if I, I guess in your mind, is there such a thing as too many receivers? Is there room for a DeAndre Hopkins in this receiver room? Yeah. Like, I mean, you make room for a guy like that. I don't think there's such a thing as too many receivers, quite honestly. Um, and I mean, the big thing for me, like you look at the problems that the Browns had last year in the past game, like a lot of it, I think was related to Deshaun Watson being rusty. You know, he had two years basically away from an NFL game. 
So that's part of it. But now they're kind of in this position because it's like, okay, we got six games from this guy and it wasn't great, but like how much of it is rest? How much of it is he doesn't have what he needs? And I think the way they've gone about sort of rehauling this pass catching cord, like it's interesting because the four main guys that they brought in, right? Elijah Moore, Marquise Goodwin, Cedric Tillman, and Jordan Aikens all have things that like the Browns didn't already have. Like Elijah Moore and Marquise Goodwin have the speed that they didn't have. Jordan Aikens brought this familiarity with Deshaun Watson that no one else really has. Cedric Tillman is now the biggest receiver in the room. Like he slightly edges Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's able to do catch, make catches in different ways than Donovan does. Uh, less of a contested catch guy, necessarily more of a get open at the top of your route kind of guy. But I just think you have to kind of throw everything in the kitchen sink at Deshaun and see what's going to work with him. And you know DeAndre Hopkins is going to work with him, so that takes some of that out of it. But I do think, too, you know, I'm looking back last year, you know, a little behind-the-scenes look. It's like I kept this sort of master Google Doc of all the injuries that happened during, like, I think I started in June during minicamp and went kind of on after that because there was a real point throughout training camp where there was just the receiver room was bitten by the injury bug really bad. Anthony Schwartz had a left knee strain he was dealing with. Then Isaiah Western tore his ACL. Then Amari Cooper, the next day, hurt his right ankle. Um, I'm going through it still. Michael Woods then was dealing with a hamstring injury. David Bell, he had wasn't active at first because he had a foot injury. Javon Wims, who was had was dealing with an injury at some point that year. Like, there were just all these names. It was hard to even keep straight in real time. And it got to a point in those practices where we're like, oh my God, this receiver room has suddenly gotten real thin when it felt really deep at the bottom of that depth chart early on. So I like going through that last year, I'm like, get as many receivers as you can fit right now on on your roster before cutdowns happen. And I think a guy like that, he's just so good. Like it doesn't matter what your situation is. You make room for him because of his connection with Deshaun Watson. And Mary Kay, as, as Ashley was going through that list, I mean, the Browns have already lost Michael Woods. He's gone for the year. Um, yeah, I don't know if Isaiah Weston was going to be a part of this whole thing, but he just retired. You're not that far away from, you know, if Amari Cooper, who has been incredibly durable, he's coming off a core muscle injury, though, that required surgery. So, you know, I think he'll be fine, but you just never know as he gets older. You're not that far away from having a receiving trio of, you know, I don't know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Marquise Goodwin, and you're trying to cut an Elijah Moore. Or then if like Elijah Moore has an injury or something, then you've got to figure out David Bell or, I, you know, I don't know, Cedric Tillman maybe gets pushed into duty too soon. I, I just, if a guy like DeAndre Hopkins wants to come to Cleveland, I just don't think this team's in a position where they can say no thank you outside of, even if Deshaun Watson weren't the quarterback. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, really, it makes so much sense to me that in my mind, it's almost a matter of just sort of figuring out how to make it happen financially. And you know that Deshaun Watson, of course, would be more than happy to rework that contract again to make room for his good friend D-Hop to come on board. I mean, he would he would do that. Who wouldn't, you know, take a few more million up front? Uh, to get your guy here. And then also, you know, you can structure the contract in such a way that you have a low base salary and you tack on some voidable years. I mean, 
there's so many ways to do it. There are so many ways to do this. So you go low base, you go lots of upfront money, which that those guys love and want anyways, the guaranteed money. And, um, you know, I just think you have to make this effort to do this. And hey, if it doesn't work out and somebody outbids you, then so be it. But at least you'll know, at least Deshaun will know, at least everyone will know that you really are all in this year and you really are doing everything that you possibly can uh, to get this team over the top. And a lot of those other guys are uncertainties right now. They're just, you know, you just don't know. And it does take a special kind of receiver uh, to, to have a natural chemistry with Deshaun. Uh, you know, you have to have a natural feel for the game. You have to have a football acumen. You have to have a little bit of a basketball mentality. Um, you know, you have to know how to stay in someone's sight lines and stay relevant and stay alive and all those kinds of things. And you have to have a suddenness and, a, you know, you have to be able to be ready for some of the really fast things that Deshaun's going to do. He's going to make decisions, uh, you know, on the fly and on the run, and he's going to throw you some no-look passes and all those kinds of things. And you just know that those two guys have repped it over and over and over and over. And there is something to be said for that. There just is. There's something to be said for that. Um, I mean, I, th I do think Deshaun is the kind of guy, the kind of player that, you know, he will be able to develop good chemistry with many different guys. But it still is a learning process. I mean, this cuts out like a long learning process. It just kind of hastens it. You know, you're throwing two guys out there that can just get the job done. And I think it would put their receiving core right up there uh, with the Bengals receiving core this season. Uh, I think it would put, you know, right up there or, you know, surpass the, the Ravens, um, you know, you, the the Chiefs always have a, a good receiving core. I, I you know I think you're right you know right up there. I, I think it's it, it would be a really smart move. I think it'd be a really really smart move, and I think both guys want it. I mean when um, when DeAndre Hopkins recited his wish list for what he wants in a team, he could have been describing the Cleveland Browns, right? I mean it was a quarterback that can get get guys to really rally around him stable ownership, and a great defense. Well, the defense might not be great yet, but with the addition of Zadarius and Juan Thornhill and Delvin Tomlinson, they're going to be a pretty darn good defense this year. And Jim Schwartz coordinating them, it's going to be a good defense. I, I don't know. It just makes too much sense to me. So the, the other argument uh, against Hopkins, and I'll ask you both this too, is the fact that he is 30, he's going to be 31 years old in seven days. Um you know, he's, he's coming off seasons where uh, he, he played 10 um, and, and nine games. Uh, of course, in 2022, uh, there, there was a suspension there. So that was that was not uh, in injury related. But is there any concern, Mary Kay, uh, about the age? Any concern that you're bringing in a guy maybe on the wrong side of 30? No. Well, I mean, there, you know, there is a little bit of a silver lining to being suspended for some of those games last year. Is, is, and that is the fact that you saved a little bit of tread on those tires last year. Right. Um, so there's that. And, you know, receivers, receivers can go. It depends on the player, of course. 
but receivers don't necessarily fall off a cliff at the age of, of 30. They, they don't. Um, some do, but I don't necessarily think those signs are there. And you can build that in. You can build that into the contract. Um, if these other teams are clamoring for him, you know, then, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to pay him. You're, you're going to have to pay him and you're not going to be able to really uh, have the luxury of saying, oh, well, he's 30. You know, we, we don't think he's going to last that long. I think you just have to go for it and, and understand that he's probably one of these guys that, um, that are, you know, that are, they're, they're beating the clock right now. Yeah. Ashley, is there any concern about, about that age? Um, you know, again, it was six games last year uh, to a suspension and uh, that, you know, there was, there was some some injury issue, but nothing. I mean, we're not talking anything major here. Yeah, I mean, the fact that it's nothing major, like, that's always going to kind of, I think, be a question anytime you, you know, acquire a player that's slightly older. But I'm with Mary Kay. Like, it's not like he's so old that I'm worried. And it's like the fact that he just has this big connection already with Deshaun, like, trumps, trumps a lot for me, right? But, you know, it's like for me, I'm thinking about this off, off mic and you know it's like I think you got to do you got to make the move to win now and you got to take the gamble that's going to give you the best chance to win now because you know it's like again you look at it compared to last year and it's like you said Dan it's like suddenly a handful of injuries and things could get pretty precarious in that pass catching core and you could suddenly be relying on guys you didn't think you were going to have to rely on and that is no good for this offense considering the issues that they had last year so I think you do have to kind of like see unless, you know, unless the Browns front office looks at him and thinks, hey, there's a major issue that we're really worried about and and we can't get past him. We don't think he's going to help us win. Like, OK, that's one thing. But if you're like saying, well, he's, is, he, is he on the wrong side of 30? <laughs> Are we a little bit worried about that? That's not enough of a reason to me to do that, because like Amari Cooper is like almost 30. Right. Like a guy like that is still, you know, around that same age and still going. So I'm I'm not overly bothered by by the age or or the injury history with him or anything like that. Yeah, and I, I do want to clean one thing up on the injury front. I was referencing 2022 and 2021. He did have the the torn MCL that cost him, uh, you know, a part of that season. But other than that, he has been uh, healthy. I mean, you look through his you look through his seasons: sixteen games, fifteen games, um, and then of course last year it was nine games with uh, six lost to that suspension. So this is a guy that even on the wrong side of thirty, you'd think can can still be um, a, a productive player. Mary Kay, what? what's the likelihood now? Like, like how, how far have you moved on that since kind of Friday when you were kind of, when you were reporting on this and trying to figure out if this could happen? I've moved a significant amount. And here is why, because of Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson had come out today and he was somewhat lukewarm on the idea, if he had said, Hey, look, I love the guys we have. We're developing tremendous chemistry. We've got a great thing going. We just went to Puerto Rico. This is going to be so cool. We're so good. Um, you know, some of what he's saying might be to, you know, to, to help his friend, right? I mean, you want to pump up your really good friend so that, you know, maybe create a little competition and everything. But if Deshaun hadn't been so effusive in his praise, of DeAndre Hopkins and hadn't sounded so welcoming about him and been so excited about the notion of bringing him on board, then I'd probably still be at pretty darn unlikely, but don't slam the door shut on it. 
But now I'm like, no, no. If Deshaun is out there saying, yeah, let's do this, then, you know, we've seen how everything has been geared to Deshaun so far. So why would you stop now? Right. I mean, like, why would you stop now? You're you're gearing, you know, you're making sure he's protected. You're adding pass catchers. You're beefing up the defense, everything. You spent so much money on this guy, so many draft picks on this guy. If he says, hey, I'd like DeAndre Hopkins here, of course you're going to go toss your hat into the ring for, for DeAndre Hopkins. So I've come a, a ways off the it's pretty unlikely, and I'm at, you know, hey, maybe this could happen. Listen, I've sat through enough press conferences to know that Deshaun Watson could have stood up there and said, "Hey, that's Andrew Barry's department." I don't yeah. really, I don't really do that. Right. <laughs> so exactly the fact that he was so engaging and willing to engage in those questions and willing to to make that case is uh, is telling. And this is where we remind you, they gave Deshaun Watson two hundred thirty million dollars guaranteed. So what he says carries a whole lot of weight. Uh, within that organization. Okay, we're going to talk a little more Deshaun Watson. We're going to take a break first here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, the Browns holding their charity golf outing uh, here on Tuesday as we're recording this about 7.15 now on Tuesday. Uh, so Deshaun Watson, as we mentioned, spoke today. It wasn't all DeAndre Hopkins. It was also him sort of looking back on where things have come in a year, uh, how things are different this year as compared to last year. Mary Kay, what did you take away from Deshaun Watson in discussing sort of where he is this offseason? I mean, I was just thinking back, you know, this time a year ago, there were still all of the all of the lawsuits were out there. None of them had been settled. We didn't have any indication as to where the NFL was going with and, and Judge Sue Robinson. You know, that was the name we were writing over and over again. We didn't have any idea where any of that was going but there was some momentum building for a season long suspension. Um, but there were just so many, you know, he was, Deshaun was practicing, but Jacoby of course was taking a, you know, some first team reps here and there. We all knew Jacoby was going to start eventually. And now here we are a year later, almost all, all but two of the civil cases have been settled. And honestly, it just feels like the topic is football now. And it feels more normal. And I don't want to minimize the, the two outstanding cases, but like we're around it all the time. It feels like a normal off season. Did you sense that from Deshaun today? Yes. Everything has changed uh, from this time last year. Absolutely everything has changed in terms of his demeanor, his psyche. Uh, I mean, let, let's face it. He, he knew that, that the NFL was going to bring the hammer down. Uh, he just didn't know how hard, how bad it was going to be. Uh, he still had 
all of these accusations against him, all of these allegations against him. And, uh, and he, at this time last year, even though he would put on a brave face when we talked to him, uh, you know, he is human and it was, it was weighing on him as it should have been. It was weighing on him. And it was, you know, I, I watched him in Houston when he first came back and like he, he was not, you know, he was so rattled by everything that was going on. Uh, he, he was not, um, you know, he was not a relaxed player by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, this whole situation, um, rightfully so, has taken a toll on him. I mean, of course, it took a toll on the people who accused him of the things that he did as well. And we can never forget that. I mean, that, you know, that's front burner, obviously. Um, but he is different now because he paid the $5 million. He settled with 23 of his accusers. He, he was suspended for 11 games. And first and foremost, he's undergone extensive, extensive counseling for his wrongdoing. And that leaves him in a different place. So he is a different person right now. And let's hope that he is, that he, let, that he is a, a, a productive member of society who never has another accusation against him. Let's hope that's how it goes. Uh, but yeah, completely different place than last year. Yeah, Ashley, I want to read the, the quote from him today uh, when he was asked, how are you compared to last year? He said, uh, I feel a lot better. I mean, I think you guys can see it too in just the way I'm speaking, the way I kind of react with other people around here. Uh, and then he goes on to, to talk a little bit about last year and then being excited uh, to be in Cleveland. But um, that this is clearly a, a player and a person who is much more comfortable being here, who certainly feels he's found a home here. And again, he's coming into this season knowing he's the starting quarterback from day one, and, and there's not going to be another suspension. There's not going to be any – He's this is his football team now. Yeah, I mean, it was just night and day compared to last year where it found Mary Kay's story from the golf outing last year. And the story was that that 24th lawsuit was filed uh, literally as we were out at Westwood Country Club. And I remember there were pictures of Deshaun Watson. And, you know, the caveat is we don't know, you know, what he was looking at or anything. But even just like his body language, the look on his face, like it all was so different. He didn't talk to the media, you know, then at the at the golf outing last year. He wasn't really out there socializing in the same way that he was today. And, you know, again, when we talk about, you know, not wanting to minimize these, the lawsuits that are still out there, you know, I think an important thing to note is they are not going to have an impact on football, which was taking up, I think, a big part of his mental capacity last year because part of the settlement was that any new lawsuits or accusations that arose from the same time period um, would not lead to further, you know, intervention or punishment by the league. Like it's all covered in, in the settlement that they reached last August or whenever that was. So I do just think like you can, like it was palpable. Like it struck me as I was walking up there today. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like last year, you know, it seemed like something happened every time there was a Browns event at this time last year with 
civil lawsuits for Deshaun or the HBO special, like all those things kept kind of popping up periodically. Um, and again, it does just feel like, hey, this isn't looming over the football aspect of things anymore for him. And I do feel like you feel that every time we talk to him. So the other topic with Deshaun today, obviously, was about sort of how he's viewed, um, how he's viewed nationally. You know, we're not seeing him, um, you know, mentioned a lot. And we've talked about this a little bit. Um, you know, we get some Hey Mary Kays about this on occasion. And so we've discussed this on the podcast. I I personally think a lot of people just don't want to talk about Deshaun Watson nationally right now. I think they would just rather avoid it. And I understand. Listen, if I could avoid it, too, I would. I think a, a lot of us would. And so it's very easy to just avoid talking about Deshaun Watson, the football player, and how good he could be. Uh, Mary Kay, he was asked about it today and he said, um, you know, I mean, honestly, people are entitled to their own opinions, but at the same time, you got to respect their opinions. I missed two years of football. So if I was in their shoes, I wouldn't put myself in that position either. I got to go out there and prove it. And that's what I'm looking forward to. So those opportunities for me this upcoming season, I have to take advantage of it. I thought that was an interesting way to put it, basically saying I'm not surprised that people aren't talking about me like they were back in 2020 because I haven't played in two years. Um, but also, I thought it was interesting that while he didn't quite bristle at it, he acknowledged that he's noticed it and he mm -hmm. wants to make sure that he's back in that discussion. Well, I remember even back when we were interviewing Deshaun and writing the stories of um, the Browns snubbing him in 2017 when he thought that they were going to draft him because Hugh Jackson had either texted him or called him and said, be ready. So he was getting ready to be drafted by the Cleveland Browns at number 12 overall in 2017. And when they did not draft him, when they instead traded down away from him, he, that stuck with him. And he was very upset about that. And he talks about that, that that was a motivating factor for him. And I think that the, um, the national snub that's going on right now, where nobody mentions his name, and I agree with you, Dan, I think people don't want to give him the benefit of the doubt because of the things that happened off the field. People are not ready to go there yet. We have had no choice but to go there because we cover him on a daily basis. But the national pundits and writers, they don't have to do that. They can choose to ignore him. And that's what they have chosen to do in many cases. And I think that that's, you know, that's not sitting well with him. And I do think he will use it as fuel for this season. Yeah, Ashley, when you hear him talk about that, um, and this also came up a little bit during the season too. I mean, Mary Kay, you were asking him about uh, Mahomes and Kelsey and, and all of that stuff. This has sort of been brewing under the surface. When you heard Deshaun mention that today and discuss it today, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, my first thought when like the question even comes up is just like kind of what you said at the top, Dan. Like, I think it's a combination of, of reasons why he's not being talked about, right? Like he didn't really have this stellar return. The Browns weren't good last year when he came back. He didn't his return didn't really do anything to help them, you know, turn it around and make the playoffs or something. 
Um, and I always think like, it's interesting to kind of hear him talk about this because it's like, you ask him about 2020 Deshaun and he's like, I don't really want to talk about that or, or compare myself to that. Like that's for outside people. But like, I do think like he wants to be that guy. Right. And he's getting paid all this money. And I think it's, it's kind of hard to ignore like, Hey, if, if I don't start producing soon, people are going to start bringing that part of it up. And am I worth this contract and all these other negative things. And I think he's had so much, you know, in his eyes, negativity surrounding him in regards to what he is doing or not doing on the field or his absence on the field. Um, it's understandable that he would want to change that narrative. But I also think like it was interesting to kind of concede like, well, I haven't been out there. And the little bit we did see of him last year, he certainly wasn't at that Pro Bowl caliber level. So I do think it was an interesting self-awareness almost from him. But you know, again, I think he does want to be talked about in that upper echelon, but he knows he has some some work to do um, in terms of producing on the field. Okay, so Mary Kay, you brought up the 2017 thing, and it got me thinking about how, again, just one of those crazy days on the Browns beat. Because <laughs> I, I don't know how much you, you remember, um, but that story came up on the broadcast. And like Deshaun said something about it in a production meeting about Hugh Jackson texting him, you know, be ready or something. And then, of course, we're all scrambling. Um, and then we go down to the tunnel. And I remember Tom Reed, he had, he was with The Athletic then. Um, we were all kind of figuring out where to go. And Tom Reed, like, grabs me and he says, Tom used to always call me Danny for some reason. <laughs> He's like, Danny, come on, let's go find the Texans press conference room and we're running through the tunnel at NRG stadium or whatever it's called, trying to find the, the Texans press conference room. So we can actually ask Deshaun Watson questions about this thing that blindsided a few of us on the, uh, on the broadcast. And when you're sitting in the press box, you don't, you know, Mary Kay, I know you try and listen to the radio, sometimes the TV broadcast, but you don't always hear that stuff. You see it, you see something on Twitter and you're like, Oh geez, somebody said something on the broadcast and now it's a story. Yeah. It was a it was a bizarre day because, you know, I remember, you know, reporting out a lot of that stuff and knowing what sort of happened on draft day and what they were thinking about the quarterbacks and who they had ranked where and who liked whom. I mean, that was, of course, the Miles Garrett number one overall. Patrick Mahomes goes 10 when the Chiefs trade up with the Bills to get him. Browns pass on Deshaun Watson. I mean, it's just a, a bizarro draft. Right. Um, and so I, you know, I just remember having that in the, in the back of my mind, how that all went down and who they liked and didn't like. And to hear Deshaun think that he was possibly going to end up here because he was saying, be ready. When in truth, they had no intentions of drafting him at, at number 12. They didn't, but there was so such a lack of communication between Hugh Jackson and the front office back then. Like if they were going to draft him, they probably wouldn't even have told Hugh that they were going to draft him. I mean, that's how bad it was. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty bizarre. There was the, you know, complete signals crossed in terms of what was being communicated to Deshaun. But the point for me, the takeaway is that, you know, he used that as motivation, that snub, and I think he's going to do it again. And Ashley, it's just one of those, like, again, going back to that post game, I do wish there were times when everybody just got to experience the chaos of some of these post games of, like, where are we going to oh, go? Where is this place in this 
giant stadium. Like, how do I find this place? And you and Mary Kay running across the, the oh, field. Oh my gosh, in Atlanta. I'm but still so chaos. mad I don't have video of that. I'm oh. still so upset that I was just like, we were in such a rush. Like, the chaos is, I mean, I also like, part of me is like, boy, I'm glad I wasn't around for those like leader years. I feel like I would have been so overwhelmed. But part of me is like, I wish I had these war stories too, because they're just so wild. Like you guys say this stuff and I'm like, I felt like I've seen, you know, quite a bit in two years or whatever, like probably more than what happens on most beats in two years. But like, I like, (laughs) this is just like insane that this is things you had to worry about back then. Like, I just can't imagine the true chaos that was around for especially the Hugh years. Like, I'm sorry, like the Hugh years, especially I just, I, I can't imagine. Like, I saw it all happen from the outside, not as a, you know, reporter covering the team. But, oh, my gosh, I cannot. Well, not just the Hugh years, but the Johnny oh, like, Manziel yeah, years. The, yeah, the Johnny <laughs> the years, Johnny of course. Years, yes, Freddie years. Freddie Kitchens. The Freddie years. Freddie Kitchens was a head coach for a full like, year. Oh my gosh! I mean, yeah, the Freddie year alone. The stories I've heard just about the Freddie year that I won't even repeat. Like, I cannot. Like, it just all seems so. Like, this seems so relatively calm in comparison to some of the stories you guys have. The you know two and a half years I've been here on the beat or whatever. And it hasn't been calm at all. So I like I feel like I've experienced nothing normally, but you know, it's that's the Browns, right? Like this is well, this is there's, there's no better Netflix series than what we've no. been through since twenty, you know, thirteen or fourteen. There is there would be no better Netflix series if we could get it down on paper. It's really good stuff. I also would like to add, just because this 99.9% of game day staff are great and helpful. Yeah. But man, when you really need help, sometimes you run into the 0.1% that you ask them where the visitor's locker room is, and they look at you like you're speaking a completely a language that hasn't even been discovered yet. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. bad. It's, Again, it's bad. most of them, the vast majority, incredibly helpful, but... Every now and again, you run into somebody who's like, they have to check your credential five times and then might tell you where you're supposed to go. Well, we will always regret not having our Video. mad dash uh, in Atlanta. Across Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Like, Across it's such a... In heels, mind you, yeah. for me. Um, but I, I, I booked in those seals and we I have bet. no video evidence of it but i bet that was a result of one of the good people though saying hey that's the fastest way to it get was, over a there. worker you said just go across the a field worker said you are not you're it's going to take you forever this way just cut across <laughs> the field like he was just straight up like i you know they might yell at you but that just go like what are they going to do and i'm like yeah you know what you do kind of get that mindset like after you're like what are they going to do they're not going to do anything to me they're not going to do what are they going to do kick me out after the game's over yeah yeah Thanks. But it's it's on security footage somewhere. We should ask for it. <laughs> they probably watch it. They probably watch it constantly. Like, I know. They're like, who are these two crazy ladies running down they're the like, field? Very make sure slowly. this one doesn't make sure this one doesn't get deleted. <laughs> I was like, I mean, I was we were we were sprinting. Like I was huffing and puffing after that little jog. It was not a jog. It was like a run. 
we were yeah. we were very late like we were the last two reporters in the press box and had to, like we're like we don't know what we're missing i'm trying to get to the open locker room before because it was a loss we know what they do after a loss guys start to sneak out fairly early you've got to be down there right when it opens if you want to catch somebody so we were it was not a a little fun little jog now yeah those some of those Friday. road games it's it's a skeleton crew on however many people are there so you know when guys yeah. start getting out of that locker room if we don't well, have everybody was, down there we're in it trouble. was a bad loss too right it was like that one in like miami or the two like road losses that you're like oh man these guys are just gonna they're gonna leave <laughs> they're not gonna try to stay they're gonna leave next well, time i'm it- taking the shoes off i'm gonna take the shoes off there you go and sprint without the shoes Think, I just want everyone to, to think about this. Mary Kay has been at this for a long time, and she is still, every day, learning new lessons. <laughs> it's like, you listen, never I stop think, learning. But true. I think when I think of Mary Kay, I always think of the like old quote about Ginger Rogers, that Ginger Rogers did everything Fred Astaire did just backwards and in heels. And that's Mary Kay. That's literally Mary Kay. <laughs> oh, it's a much harder good. job. <laughs> Oh. Okay. Well, there we go. Uh, a productive day, a much more organized today, today at the uh, Browns charity golf outing. We've got uh, one more OTA practice we're going to be at. That is Wednesday. So we'll uh, have a pod video recapping uh, all of that. And then next week is mandatory mini camp. Mary Kay, you said it last week. Like, I can't believe how fast this is happening. And of course, with yes. the shortened off season program, it's even crazier. We will be at mandatory mini camp next week. And then that's it until training camp. But of course, well, I we'll... hope I'm going to be at mandatory minicamp next week. I'm going to Quebec City, uh, Canada on Saturday. Did I tell you guys this yet? No, this is news I'm to going us. To, I'm going to Quebec City on Saturday for my daughter's graduation from, as you guys know, from uh, she's an aerialist acrobat. You know, she's in a circus arts school training for Cirque du Soleil type performances. Um and she's graduating this weekend. So I'm going to Quebec City for that. And in in the past, that mini camp was like June 12th through the 14th, usually somewhere around there. So yeah. I was like, oh, this is going to be perfect. It's June 1st through the 4th. You know, I can be there, st- stick around for a few days after that, spend some time with her after her performances are over. And um, lo and behold, Minicamp is on June 6th, 7th, and 8th, and I have, so I had to change, I had to get a flight home so that I could get home on the 6th, and so I'm getting up at about 3 o'clock in the morning on June 6th, getting on a flight, an international flight, got to go through customs, (laughs) got to do all that, got to get home and get to the airport and go straight to Berea, so if I don't make it, I am already anticipating the phone call while yeah. I'm driving to practice. Dan, I'm at the arrivals gate. Come get me. Take me to Perea <laughs> or take me to the facility. I can't yeah. get an Uber. Yes. So we'll see how that goes, but hopefully I'll be there. Uh, I will not have slept. So it's not going to be, it's not going to be visually aesthetically pleasing, but hopefully I'll be there. Well, sleep is overrated. And also, by the way, Mary Kay, you just guaranteed that DeAndre Hopkins is signing with the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> you're right. Oh, my God. You're In right. that window. The, yeah, I'll probably miss the press conference. 
while you're on a flight. Yeah. So yes. there we go. You heard it here first on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Check out our YouTube channel. Go search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube. I did another short today. Look at me. I'm addicted to doing shorts. Look while at I was you, leaving Dan. the call founding. Uh, so you need go. A TikTok. Great work, Dan. You do uh, need a we'll TikTok. See. Dan, you could be a TikTok star. Ooh, how exciting. You could be. Yeah. I could go viral. Yes. Uh, okay. Well, maybe. Maybe. We'll see what happens. Um, well, maybe between mini camp and, and training camp, I'll build my TikTok following. Uh, just get subscribed to our YouTube channel, like I said, Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com. And of course, become a football insider subscriber. Go to Cleveland.com slash Browns and click the blue banner at the top of the page for all of that. Uh, for Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.